Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. Hello and thanks so much for tuning in. Today I'm joined by Shakira Akabusi. Shakira is a pre and postnatal fitness expert and she's the founder of the Strong Like Mum movement inspiring mums to toss aside the stereotype that claims we'll never be physically the same again post-birth. Shakira and I actually recorded this chat back in December, which feels like a lifetime ago now. So much has happened since then, not least the announcement that Shakira is pregnant again and expecting twins. So the other day, I actually caught up with Shakira again and she filled me in on how her pregnancy has been going, what her antenatal health and fitness has looked like, what her mental health journey has been on this pregnancy and how she's feeling about potentially giving birth during lockdown. So here's my chat with Shakira and then at the end, you'll hear the chat that we had earlier this week. So I'm here with Shakira. Welcome, Shakira. Hello. <laughs> I am really, really excited to have you on. Uh, this is the first time I've met you. I quite often have met people that I've uh, I have on the podcast before, but we haven't ever crossed no, paths before. No, we haven't. Have we? No, but then like with social media, you sort of have an inkling into what's going on with people, don't you? I know. So you I know quite often meet people, and I think that I know them really yeah. well because I like <laughs> follow them on Instagram, um, and I'll mention something that, that they maybe did the week before, like, "Oh, you were at your, you know, your kids' uh, Christmas." play or something and, yeah. and they're a bit like oh, yeah I know it's weird it's it is really weird thing but yeah I, I do that as well <laughs> <laughs> we know each other so well um so your whole thing strong like mum yeah I just love the whole ethos behind it and uh like the message that you're sending out there tell us a little bit for anyone who hasn't come across you or strong like mum tell us a bit about it so um I set up strong like mum when my first son was born and for me, I talk a lot about shattering the stereotype. And for me, that's kind of like the most important thing. I think we've come a long way, but there's still so many stereotypes surrounding motherhood. I mean, just the word mum sounds archaic. You know, it comes with all these really old connotations. And I really wanted to um, break that down. And in my first pregnancy, I was constantly told of all the things I'd never do again. Like, you know, from simple things, you'll never sleep again to you'll never uh, be as active. You'll never wear a bikini. You'll never, you know, whatever it was, um, you'll never work again, all these things. And to me, I was like, wow, like I still wanted to be me, 
and be a mum and surely this has to be possible so I just sort of started documenting that journey about how I was um, finding mum life and joining that with who I was and what I identified with and um, I just think lots of women can sort of connect to that so it's such a shame isn't it that because you're so right that you know quite often you know during at first pregnancy you just hear so many negative things rather than thinking about even you know about the the love that you're going to experience and the joy and all of those amazing new experiences quite often it is about the Oh, you know, you're never going to sleep again. Get get yeah, sleep yeah. while you can. Well, and even if, I mean, there are still some positive things. You know, there are a lot of positive things. And I, I don't want to paint a picture as if I had this really, you know, down time during my pregnancy. It, it was still really positive and great and everyone was excited. But then it's that whole thing where even when someone's trying to be really positive, like they'll say, oh, you don't need to work anymore. You know, think little things like that will oh, sure, surely you're not going to go back to work that quick. You know, little things where they might even have meant it as a compliment, but actually to me, I was like, well, wait a minute, that's that's yeah, who I am. Yeah, And you're, you're right, your identity, it's such a massive shift, isn't it, when you become a mum and it, it kind of throws, it turns everything on its head. But I remember feeling like, but I still want to be the same person and I still want to be seen as the same person and almost like, you know, grappling on to elements of my personality and my life and feeling yeah. almost a bit desperate. Like I wanted to cling on to them. Yeah, yeah. I, in pregnancy, I worried about that. And But actually, I found that during motherhood, it's it's been the complete opposite. I've never felt so empowered to this sounds really selfish, but never felt so empowered to achieve my own goals. Um, for me, there's something about becoming a mum. It's it sort of unlocked like an inner strength. And I was like, wow, like I'm pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, um, and I want my children to grow up to know that, you know, the world's their oyster. They've got all these possibilities if they apply themselves. And I feel like I'm the role model for that. And yeah. so that really became... The, the overriding feeling that I've had throughout motherhood, of course, there are there are struggles and challenges, but uh, overall, I've really found it an incredibly empowering experience. And I, I'm really passionate about uh, helping other women. I don't want to say helping other women, but sort of, you know, sharing that with other women and and getting them to unlock that that feeling themselves. I think it is helping them. I think that quite often you just sharing your journey and your thoughts, and you're so good on Instagram because you'll go on there. And you'll share what you've been through that day and you'll have a really interesting positive take on it. And I, it, quite often I'll read it and think it, it, it will inspire me. That sounds so cheesy, but, <laughs> but it, it, it'll, it'll just make me kind of reevaluate how I'm feeling or maybe how I'm approaching the day. And so that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, to be honest, that's taken me. A long time and again I don't want to sound as if I never struck some days I'm like what is going on yeah. but um I think it took me a long time to get to that place I went through um, so I, I talk a lot about pre and postnatal fitness but I went through a big mental health journey and and my health and well-being really was part of what helped me get through that mental journey and um it's coming out the the other side of that where I'm I'm actually really proud of myself that I'm able to um calm my mind and and, and as you said, try to think about a situation in a different perspective, not get too wrapped up in, you know, feeling agitated or anxious or frustrated and really trying to find whether it's a positive spin or something that I'm learning and um, and growth and development from that. So that that's taken me a long time. But I do I do try to do that a lot. 
Um, and how much for you is exercise about physical strength and how much of it is about mental strength and mental health? Um, so it's a mixture of the two. I love being physically active. I think when it comes to the physical side of it, again, something I am so passionate and adamant about sharing is that I think we get too hung up on the aesthetics and it's not so much about that. I mean, great, great to be you know, in, in great shape and, you know, all of those benefits, that's that's great, that's one side of it. But actually it's more important to me that we stop talking about, um, you know, bikini bodies and, um, you know, to me that doesn't matter. what The words I'm more interested in using is things like, you know, flexibility, agility, strength, um, you know, mobility, all of that is way more important to me. And I think when we talk about the physical side of fitness, we need to steer away from those words like, you know, abs, six pack, you know, whatever, all those connotations that come with that. I think we need to steer away from that. We need to focus more on those real physical benefits. So yes, that, you know, feeling strong, feeling active, flexible, that is really important to me. But a massive part of my connection to fitness and the reason I love it so much is because of what it gives me mentally. And I went through a really difficult three year, uh, few years and physical fitness has been a massive part of my recovery. I saw you talking about this the other day. Um, was it OCD that you um, have suffered yep. from? Mm -hmm. um, and how did you find that exercise helped you tackle that? So um, exercise was one part of my recovery. I've, I've done many things. But um, in, in a few ways, I think firstly, it just gave me that break away. If I was wrapped up in a situation, like if my children weren't well, I would I would obsess over it and it would just become this really consuming, anxious emotion. And I, I couldn't break my head away. I, I was just completely absorbed. And the only thing I would feel like I could do is go for a 20 minute run. You know, I would be like, no, no, no I don't want to go to, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to spend hours away from home. I wanted to monitor my children the whole time. But I was like, okay, you know, if I was feeling anxious, I've taken his temperature, I've given him cowpole, he's with his grandma, I'm going to go for a 20 minute run. And by the time I'd come back from that 20 minute run, I was able to reevaluate that situation so differently and I felt so much calmer. So that was one of the main ways. Um, obviously, there's all the hormonal changes that, you know, you get through exercise and endorphins and all of that. Um, but I also think it gave me something else to feel positive about. So it was something just for me mm. that, yeah, it just it just helped me sort of fi find a, a different positive emotion. And then over time, I've been able to, bring that up and develop that and quiet down all the anxiety it's tricky though isn't it because so many women do suffer in some aspect you know in, in some way with their mental health when they become a mum mm -hmm. I suffered from postnatal depression when my eldest who's now nine um was a baby um and you know we we hear about how exercise you know will help but quite often you're kind of stuck in that kind of rut where you know, you, you perhaps don't feel like exercising and you're feeling really low or anxious and perhaps childcare is an issue, but perhaps, you know, we haven't got, you yeah. know, a grandparent to kind of say, right, look, look after my baby yeah, for, yeah. you know, for 20 minutes while I go for a yeah. run. Um, how, how do you kind of, anyone listening who might be identifying with that, how do they get to a point where they are motivated and logistically can do, do a bit of exercise? So um, firstly, exercise does not have to be all those traditional things that you hear. I, I actually wrote about this recently. It doesn't have to be going for a run. It doesn't have to be press-ups or burpees or whatever. 
it can just be dancing around your living room. The amount of times I do that, you know, I'll put on the other week it was Christmas songs because my my young uh, my eldest is really excited about Christmas. <laughs> so we did like a half an hour dance session <laughs> that included like jumping on the sofa and you know, so it can be anything. It can just be getting moving. Um, I'm always saying get creative with exercise. So I work out with so many things at home. I'll use a chair, I'll use a garden bench, I'll, you know, whatever. So there's so many different ways. It doesn't have to be all those traditional things would be number one. And two, I would say you've, you've got to be flexible with your methods. You can't, when it comes to balancing fitness with, with mum life, there are times when it's it's got to take a back seat. Uh, last week, our house, I mean... It was just full of, I won't even go into details, but it was full of vomit everywhere. Oh. So everyone was everyone was oh. ill. It was horrible. And for a whole week, I did nothing. I didn't do one single thing. And I didn't feel bad because A, it's not going to send you back to square one. And B, to me, if I approach fitness, I really have to make sure that I'm in a positive mental space. Otherwise, that's when it becomes dangerous. If you're... If, you, if it becomes a chore or it becomes like a, oh, I've got to drag myself through this workout, it has the, the complete opposite effect. Yeah. And especially if I'm really busy, say it's work and I'm really busy and I don't have time to work out. If I work out the whole time, I'm just thinking, oh gosh, I really need to be at work. I really need to be at work. And I don't enjoy it and it's frustrating yeah. and I get back to work and I think, oh, now I'm half an hour behind. So just leave it. You know, I think it's got to be a positive influence in your life. Um, yes, you need if you're chasing a goal in particular, then you've got to have a certain amount of dedication. But I think um, there's, you've just got to have flexibility with everything. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that what you just said kind of hits nail on the head for me. That so many people and myself, I I've been on a bit of a journey recently <laughs> when it comes to exercise. Love a journey. I'm still on the journey, but. <laughs> For years, I have absolutely seen exercise as being something like I want to get, I want to lose weight, um, I want to get back into those genes, um, and I saw it as being like a real. It was like a chore. It was. Yeah. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. It was like a means to an end. And invariably, I would start off with good intentions. I would join the gym or I would start running with friends or whatever it was. Um, and then after a few weeks or a few months, I would just be like, oh, I really can't face that. I really don't want to do it. Yeah. And then I would feel guilt and failure and blah. It was this horrible cycle. And recently, I really do feel like something has shifted. And I joined a gym. Um, so my uh, my twins are um, just over a year old. Yep. And so I really was at that point where I was like, right, I feel like now is the time. Um, I'm not as tired as I was a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and I want to get back into exercising. Um, and for the first time, I think in my life, I'm actually doing it because of how it makes me feel rather yeah. than I've got no I've got no goal of losing a certain amount of weight or getting yeah. back into any certain clothes. Um, I saw you say um, on Instagram recently, exercise because you love your body, not because you hate it. That's it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. That's it. I'm exercising because I love my body and I want it to feel good and I want to feel good. Yeah. Not because I hate, you know, my squidgy tummy and my big thighs and my wobbly bum. You know, it's like a positive experience yeah. rather than a negative one. Yeah, absolutely. hundred hundred and ten percent. I love that quote. Um I didn't create that quote. No, you shared but, uh, it. I shared it, yeah. <laughs> but um I, I absolutely love it. It resonated me with me so much when I first heard it. And I was like, that that is the key. It's about enjoying it. I think that whole post might have been about that. It was like, you've got to enjoy the process to make it sustainable. And that's that's ultimately um, what's going to make, make the difference is having that sustainable, positive change. And for me, it is a real positive thing in my life. So people will say to me like, 
oh my gosh, you're crazy. Like, oh, you were running again today. But it's just so much more than that. It's so much more than that. To me, that is just what makes me happy. It helps me cope with all the challenges that I encounter. And um, like you said, you, you feel you feel good. Why do you think it is so ingrained in so many of us to see exercise as a chore or something that's negative or something that we do because we hate our bodies? So I, I can't say you know, for certain why, but I think for me, and I touched on it earlier, a massive thing is the language that we use. Um, and I'm in the middle of hopefully working on a project that's all about this. And I hope that that comes to fruition because I'm so passionate about this. But the language that we use ourselves and that we surround ourselves with on a daily basis um, is all really pressurized and and as I was saying earlier you know it's all this like every time it's the summer I can't tell you how many times I see bikini body ready Mm. I see it all the time you know and and there's nowadays it's not even good enough to be like get healthy for summer now it's get bikini body ready in eight weeks you know there's like it's suddenly like it's got to happen now everything is instant yeah instant super fast like we want everything right now. And there's just so much out there about aesthetics. All the language is used around, you know, just, just everything, as I said earlier, you know, abs and and thigh gaps and drop a dress size. I hate that drop a dress size. Do you think a lot of it is down to marketing messages and advertising? Do you think a lot of it comes from brands, I guess, who are trying to sell you the bikinis or sell you? I think part of it, I think, Part of it comes down to brands. I mean, the the beauty industry, um, you know, is all is all built on, is upheld on pillars of them making you feel like you need to improve. You know, so that's that's why we wear makeup. That's why you know. So that is that is definitely there. But I think um, it's just ingrained in our society these words and these phrases of what we think we really need, and and that we think we really want, and actually it just causes so much negativity um and and I think like we're so we're also ingrained in this mindset of having to compare ourselves to other women you know like people will always ask me I get asked all the time how can I look like you like you've had a baby a year ago how can I look like you and I'm like you just you can't look like me and I can't look like you so let's you know straight away that's got to go I mean genetics has a lot to do with it I mean you're the daughter of an Olympic athlete <laughs> yeah absolutely and, you know I'm not so absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, but, but but even not that like you, you know it's just you're you I'm me you know and and our, my body is going to work and function in a way that's going to date back to how I walked as a baby and how I sit and how I stand and your body's totally different so we, we can never be each other but um we, you know, we can still be a really healthy, positive version of ourselves. And I think if we focused, if we focused less on work, that negative language and we changed our language, as I said earlier, to be more about strength, flexibility, um, mobility, you, all of that. Like mobility is a massive. People are not mobile enough. And that is what like if I could go into any office in London, I'd be like, right, we just need to get moving, not because you all need to drop a dress size, but because you just need to move your body. You know, we are like, we're animals. We're from the animal kingdom. We are meant to move our bodies, not sit still for yeah. hours. And of course, if you're at work, it's not always possible. As you said, sometimes that is just your schedule. But that's what I would, you know, I'd change the mindset more to be like, do you know what? I've got an hour lunch break. I'm going to go out for a 20 minute walk or jog, not because I want to drop a dress size, but because I need to move my body, you know, and, and that physical release is going to help that mental release. 
and then off we go. It's so true. I um I quite often find that if I am exercising, I will think through a problem and come to a solution, whether it's a work thing or whether it's a family thing or a friendship issue. And just having that headspace has allowed yeah. me time to think through something. It's so funny because I'll run. I was running the other day and sometimes I think of things that I want to say in a in a post, for example, or in a blog. And as I'm running, I write yeah. I write it. Yeah. And then I quickly have to get my phone out from wherever <laughs> it is and press record and I'm running and I'm thinking, today I've done it. And I, <laughs> I start recording the whole thing because it's just when I get my best ideas. I once um, <laughs> I heard Caitlin Moran, um, the writer, say that if you, are, if you are a writer, you should never sit down at your laptop, your computer, and think, right, what am I going to write? By the time you get there, you should already know what you want to say. Yeah. And I, I've always remembered that because I'm the same. I'll start in my head... Um, you know, imaginer, you know, imagining what I'm going to say in even just like an Instagram post. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I've got some inspiration. I know what I want to say about this thing. It's funny, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. How do you feel about the whole um, new mums trying to, you know, the, the pressure that so many of them feel to kind of get get their pre-pregnancy bodies back or getting back into those jeans that they wore before they, they became pregnant? Because a lot of people do feel. I get so many messages from. Um, you know, mums who've got similar age babies to me and they might see me at the gym and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, oh, I, I, I really need to get back to the gym. I really need to get, you know, exercising and get back to the way that my body was before having the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just feel this immense pressure to do that. Um, okay, so there's there's two things there. The first is, that's exactly one of the phrases that I'm talking about that we need to move away from. I hate pre-baby body because it doesn't exist. Your body's gone through this massive change. It's done an incredible, amazing thing. An amazing thing. An I mean, amazing thing. But, you know, Strong Like Mum, your, your website, it's like... There is nothing stronger than a mum. <laughs> exactly. The amazing thing that your body has done. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, exactly. So um, I don't think pre-baby body is... Um, is, is realistic it's you know it's a myth um but I think in terms of if you've got physical goals and what I can relate to is that I this second time so I have two children and this second time um it took me a lot longer to get my fitness level back than it did the first time and and I struggled with that you know it was frustrating for me to be to not be able to do things that I was able to do really easily um and again I think that that's one case where actually your your mental um your mental ability has to help you with the physical challenges because actually i just had to have a chat to myself and say it takes time and it's something that i'm passionate about so i know i'll get there and 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 it's definitely possible like if you've come a long way and you're thinking oh my gosh i really want to um be stronger or i want to feel healthier i want to run faster or even if you're thinking oh my gosh i want to go back to a size whatever you know not necessarily well i mean it totally depends on who you are but but it's possible you know you can achieve your goals so i'm not trying i'm not trying to say physical goals are bad it's not bad at all like we wake up and if I go to a meeting, I'll put makeup on because I want to make a good impression. So there's nothing wrong with saying, oh my gosh, I really want to be a size X, whatever. You it's know? interesting, though, isn't it? Because I, I, I hear some people, um, you know, friends of mine saying that they want to drop a dress size or they want to get back into an old pair of jeans or they want to lose a little bit of weight for whatever mm-hmm. reason. 
but they are, are they've now got to a point where they feel they can't talk about that because yeah. it is seen as such a negative thing yeah yeah and and that's the thing i, I think um we've got to be careful because that is as you said that is not right either and I don't think there's anything wrong with having your physical goals I certainly have them I just don't think they can be the driving force that keeps you motivated because it can take time you know for me I'm now a year and a half after having my second and I'm now in a place where I feel really comfortable again and um and it's taken a year and a half, you know, so, so it takes time. With some people, it's going to take you three years. If you, So you've got to have something else that keeps you motivated and keeps you sustained. But try to keep that positivity to know it is it is possible and, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, so how difficult did you find it? As someone who is really fit and you work as a personal trainer, um, when your body started changing and when you were had your first pregnancy and then after you had the baby... Um, how um, how did that make you feel when you were so used to having this fit, strong body? Um, do you know, it didn't actually. The first, it didn't. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't have. I never had that um, association. I really wanted to have a baby, so the first one was totally planned. We were trying to conceive, um, and I accepted all the changes. It never. I've never got on a weighing scale in my life. I've never really been focused on on that necessarily so of course I was going to change and I didn't really mind um and also the recovery was a a much faster process with my first did you exercise all throughout your pregnancy because they say that obviously you're the expert but I've heard people saying that you know if you exercise normally before you're pregnant then you can carry on yeah yeah and I mean you can you can start exercising during pregnancy for some women pregnancy is the first time they really think about exercise because suddenly they're thinking I want to create this most amazing home for this baby and that's when they so you can start but obviously you have to start you know slowly you can't just go hell for leather into a hit class what are the things that are, that are good if someone is um pregnant and wants to start exercising what are the kind of gentle ways that they can Wait, I mean it's such a difficult I get asked this all the time it's <laughs> so difficult without knowing yeah. the woman I mean for some people a walk is going to be enough if they've never walked for um 5k then that's going to be massive so so go for a walk if you are already you know a gentle jogger you can go for a jog I I would always tend to scale back the intensity of my workout you know it doesn't in that first trimester you can still do quite a lot but I definitely would scale it back to maybe 70 percent you know I wouldn't be doing my usual 100 percent but you can do you can do a lot I mean there it totally depends on the woman I think what's the most one of the things that's really important to understand is the hormonal changes and how they impact your body so the moment you get um you you conceive you start with i think it's about two weeks into the pregnancy and then throughout the pregnancy you develop this hormone called relaxin um and it's you know it it increases throughout the pregnancy but its role is primarily just to loosen the joints around the pelvis to prepare your body for labor but it can't be isolated in one place so it works on all joints in the body and that's really important so if you're used to going to the gym and lifting you're going to want to be really conscious of your range of movement because that's when you can start to pull because all your joints are compromised so it's things like that and knowledge like that that's really important that we share with Pre- prenatal women and postnatal women who are breastfeeding will still continue to produce this hormone as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, if you're, if you're at the gym already, you can continue going to the gym, but you're just going to want to be conscious of how heavy you're lifting. Mm. Um And then as the trimesters progress, I think what becomes really important then is as the bump increases, your center of gravity shifts. So that changes your posture and that becomes really important then throughout all all forms of exercise um, and just being conscious that you can still work there. And then I think a lot needs to be talked about in terms of um, core training during pregnancy. You can still train your core. You are not going to be doing sit-ups and crunches, which are like the worst thing. But there's still work that you can do there to support your core and make it strong. I think there's also this misconception that your core is just your abdominals. And there's so many more muscle groups that are um, part of your core and that help to stabilize your core. So that's important. Um, And pelvic floor exercises are just, yeah crucial i was so bad at doing my pelvic floor and i had i was pregnant with twins and so my pelvic floor needed yeah (laughs) Uh, but really interestingly i went for a pelvic floor examination oh that's um, amazing no one does that that's amazing it was so good and it was uh, people asked me afterwards what what was what what was it like and i was like it was a bit like having a personal trainer you know your personal trainer like touches your muscles and gets you to do exercises um so um i had um, somebody touching my pelvic floor and asking me to like holding it and asking me to do the exercises and she was able to um, determine, you know, what kind of state it was in. Oh, wow. That's so, see, that, uh, and that's the type of thing. I mean, I wish everyone did that. It was amazing. Yeah, I wish everyone did that. But I've, I've never had that. And I think it's fantastic. And, it, and it's, you know, it's not readily available enough. No, it, this was um, this was a physiotherapist. Physiotherapist? Yeah, physiotherapist. I actually went because my core muscles um, were so badly affected by my last pregnancy that my coccyx has yep. been really painful. Yeah. Um, and so I went to try and get a di- diagnosis on that. And while I was there, she was like, do you want a pelvic floor examination? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'll hop on so the bed. That's, <laughs> that's so good. I would love that. I think, um, again, like the postnatal process is a really interesting one because um, there's loads of misconceptions there. But also there's, I mean, I don't even think this second time around, I barely had a, a six eight week check I, d- I do think i went to the gp but there were n- there was no examination well no there's no physical examination they basically yeah. just kind of ask you how you're feeling determine that you're not kind of on the edge of pnd yeah ask you about contraception and what yeah. you're using um and send you on your merry way That's it. and so it's really <laughs> important that at that stage women um go out and get the information themselves and there are there are reliable sources out there and again that's the tricky thing with social media because there's so many fit mum bloggers many of which are not qualified in any way and they're just sort of adding fuel to the fire of all these misconceptions around pre and postnatal fitness so i think it's really important that it's from a reliable source but that um you go out and you get that information because it's important definitely how much would you say that your attitude towards all of this has been shaped by Growing up with, you know, such an active, famously active yeah. father. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, but I I 
came from a, a crazy childhood, which was um, amazing. I have, both my parents are actually really active. My mum's a personal trainer. Oh, my dad she? is an Olympic athlete. So yeah. they're good. But um, it came with some really positive things, but it also came with some real challenges, especially growing up as Chris Hakabusi's daughter. Anything but first place was always a failure. Mm. Not to my parents, I was but I was gonna to say, not from not from his point of view. No, so, no, no, definitely not. And and neither of my parents ever pushed me into anything. But um, if I came second in a race, that person that won was always that I beat Chris Akabusi's daughter, and people were like, what was wrong with you today? And oh. you know, and then if you did come first, it wasn't ever anything to celebrate because of, of course, course you're you gonna come first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so I I get that all the time, and that's and that's just the way it is. But um, I think it's it's actually been. I then stepped away from sports and fitness in that way for a long time. And I went into the performing arts and musical theater, sort of found my own feet. And it's now coming back into fitness in the last 10 years that's been a, an amazing experience because actually no one really knows who my dad is. My generation might sort of still know and the older generations, but the younger generation don't have don't have any idea. Mm. And it's been, it's been actually amazing to go back into, um, into sports as myself and and make my own way and not necessarily be you know but 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 saying that actually it's not quite fair because I'm I trade under my maiden name because Akabusi rings a bell to some people so it, yeah. you know it it yeah. ebbs and flows but um and you get annoying podcast interviewers asking you about your dad yeah no exactly <laughs> and and I have to say like he was a fantastic role model and but more than just the physical thing I think my, both my parents, but obviously um, in a well-known aspect, my dad really showed about hard work and dedication. He was, and he'd say it himself, he didn't have the best technical skills as a sprinter. You can watch some of his um, athletics and his technique is absolutely dreadful. <laughs> but he was so dedicated and failure just wasn't, well, failure might have been an option, but he was like, I don't care if I fail because I'm just going to carry on anyway. He just literally... Everyone always said to my dad, old dogs don't learn new tricks because he switched from the 400 meter flat to the 400 meter hurdles at a, a relatively old age for an athlete. And they were like, old dogs don't learn new tricks. I kept saying that. And he had oh, he had this amazing race where if you ask my mum, what's her, you know, she thinks is his biggest success. He had this race and he fell over the hurdle. And I think he then got up and he like stumbled his way to the finish line. But it wasn't a good race. But he got up at the next race and he carried on and, you know, obviously became, had you know, Olympic medals, world championships. Yeah. So um, he did a great job. And that, for me, is is more inspiring than just, you know, he was active. Um, lastly, Shakira, mm. um, what would you say you've learned about yourself since becoming a mum? Wow, what a question. <laughs> um, it has, I think I said earlier, that becoming a mum has been the most empowering thing. And I think it's taken me, I've been a mum for five years when Rio was born. And it's taken me that whole five years to get to where I am now. But I'm so, and I, I love saying I'm proud of myself because it sounds like I'm really up myself, but I'm genuinely, just in a very real way, proud of myself because I went through a really difficult time. And you know everyone has their challenges, but I certainly had mine. And to come out of it now, I'm so comfortable with who I am. And and it's it's a place that, I, I mean, I know I know people who are in their 60s, 70s and 80s who still aren't there. Mm. And I'm I'm just so grateful that I've been able to experience this feeling because, you know, and and you can still get wrapped up in in all the everyday things that don't really matter. Like, oh, why didn't my post get enough likes? And well, you know, <laughs> all that still happens. 
but actually at the end of the day i'm i'm so i'm just so uh, through motherhood i've just been able to really unlock this inner strength and and self-respect that has just allowed me to be really happy with who i am and i i don't know i'm not perfect but i i'm totally happy with who i am and i I don't think I would have got there if it wasn't for being a mum. I love that. And I think that, you know, you're saying that you're proud of yourself. I think more of us should have the confidence to say that about yeah. ourselves because it's something that so many people find, find difficult to, yeah. to, to say. That, you know, you think, oh, I sound really big-headed. Or but, you know, I think it comes from um, accepting that there's some things I'm not good at or some mm -hmm. things that I'm not necessarily being successful at or achieving at. But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely not sitting here saying, "Wow, I've just achieved it. I'm I'm the mum who's got it all. I've like, nailed that, everything." Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely not the case. Um, and there's things I'm working on that I'm still going to put effort into that might not work out, and I'll cry because of things that haven't happened. And you know, so I still feel all of that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll feel disappointed and blah. But ultimately, I go to bed every night and I'm just happy on the inside brilliant i love it <sighs> um, shakira thank you so much for being my guest today. thank you for having me I've, I've genuinely i love talking in general but it's been a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share all this waffly stuff i've just talked about it's been brilliant thank you thank you shakira welcome back to my podcast after a delay of a few months <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. So much has changed. So after we chatted a few months ago, um, at the very end of the recording, I remember you uh, turning to me and saying, um, oh, uh, it's not so recording, is it? Um, oh, because actually, I've just found out that I'm pregnant. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, there was more, more of a surprise to come, wasn't there? What did you then discover a few weeks later? Well, what's so funny is that when I told you, we then ended up having a conversation about you telling me about when you found out it was twins. And I thought, gosh, that's amazing. I can't imagine what that must be like. And then two weeks later, I found out what it must be like <laughs> <laughs> because we were in a scan and yeah, we found out it was twins. And having gone from not trying to con be, we weren't trying to conceive. Um, so the pregnancy itself was a surprise and then to find out it was twins yeah it was it was double the shock but a good one so you're going from two having you're being a mum of two boys to being a mum of four yeah. in the, you know in one in one day you'll go from one to the other how are you feeling about having twins um a whole range of things to be honest I am now I'm excited as it as it gets closer to the time that's probably the overriding feeling you know there's a lot of excitement and um it's been great to sort of share my story with more people because that's also helped me get more excited and my husband's being really supportive but I definitely am nervous as well there are some things that I just and and I think the biggest piece of advice I'm trying to take away from what everyone's telling me is just to not have expectations just to go with the flow which my husband has always lived like that. Um, and I've much more been like, right, okay, we need to have a routine and da, da, da. And I'm just going to have to learn to go with the flow. So it's, it's a mixture, massive excitement, but also um, I find it, you know, quite daunting. And I know from following you on social media and having chats with you that you haven't been feeling great during this pregnancy. When we spoke a few months ago, 
Um, we spoke a lot about um, fitness and exercise during pregnancy, mm. but that's, I'm guessing, not been possible for you all the way through this pregnancy, has it? If you've been feeling a bit rubbish. So the, the first trimester, I mean, from about six weeks onwards, and in fact, into the second trimester, probably from about six weeks till 20 weeks, maybe, I was just so completely exhausted and also nauseous I I couldn't do anything I I barely got out of bed and for for a few weeks I barely saw my children and I really do mean it everyone's like yes but you must have I'm like no 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 I didn't I literally didn't my husband would get up with them and then his mum would come and take them to school and my mum would pick them up and then the nanny would we just a whole mixture of people I saw them every day to say good morning and every night to say good night, but it was minutes. You know, I was really completely just didn't feel great. That must have been so, so tough emotionally on you. It was really tough emotionally, um, and and obviously you worry about how it's affecting your children emotionally. And I think again, they're really they're really lucky children. They've got so many people that love them, and so I don't think they massively noticed. I I think it was obviously clear mama's not very well um and for Ezra who's coming up to two years old it would have been more confusing but they have so much love around them that and actually I ended up having this discussion with Rio because someone had said to me it's not fair you leaving your other children like that you know you've just got to get up and I was like I can't get up. I I literally can't and um and I remember saying to Rio Oh, you know, I'm I'm really sorry. I've been so sick and and that I've not seen you that much. And he said to me, "But I see you every day." And he said, "You hug me every morning and you hug me every night. I see you every day." So it was just amazing how well you know they can adapt. Yeah. I can't believe someone actually said that to you though, because to have such a lack of understanding of how bad that first trimester can feel for a lot of women, mm. and to know that you are surely doing everything you can to spend as yeah. much time with your children as you as you know it's not always possible is it no and it's but do you know what it's strange because I yeah absolutely I think it, it it comes from a place of just not really understanding but I don't really blame people for not understanding because even even me who's experienced morning sickness twice before with my with my first two pregnancies I remember when I got pregnant thinking, right, this time I'm going to feel sick, but I'm just going to get up and I'm going to feel sick, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to be moving around. And then it happens and you just, it, you just can't, mm. you know? So even me who'd experienced it, I was, um, I went to hospital the other day for a checkup and they sat me in a bed because it was quite late at night. So they sat me in a bed opposite a woman in labor, oh. which was, uh, I said to them, I was like, you're like watching a horror movie. Yeah. I can't believe they've done this to me. Oh. <laughs> but, um, but she was having contractions and I could see her really tensing her whole body. And I said to her, oh, you know, like they say that if you can just try to relax physically into it, it's better. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? Like, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I don't really blame her. <laughs> no, exactly. And I, and I left there and I thought about it and I thought, I can't believe. I mean, I don't know if I can swear on here. Yeah, you can. Like, I was like, I can't believe I was such a dickhead. Like, I can't believe I've just said to a woman who's in labour, just relax into your contractions. Just like, take some paracetamol, have... smiles, love, you'll yeah. be fine. No, honestly, I would have punched someone if they'd have said that to me. And I <laughs> I just thought, I can't believe I said that. But it just, you know, you just, it, when you're not in it, it's very hard to 
to put yourself in it. And I, I won't ever forget how sick I was. And there's, there's TV programs that I, cause I couldn't watch a screen. I felt so ill, but I would listen to certain programs and I, I can't, I didn't finish. Like if it was a series, I wouldn't finish the series. I can't go back and finish it because it, it makes me feel physically oh, sick just to hear that. It's mad, isn't so, it, how the brain does that? It's not really the same, but I now can't eat mini cheddars because I, I <laughs> ate so many of them. It was like one of the few things I could eat when I had bad morning sickness. Um, and right now it, it just turns my stomach. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So yeah, it was um, it was a tricky time. But in terms of exercise, just to circle back to that, I think when I started to feel not quite completely so incapacitated with the nausea um, and I was able to exercise again, it's that then it sort of gave me a boost. And I've, I've had to massively adapt the type of exercise I'm doing. I, I now realise, you know, when in my first two pregnancies, I was on my Instagram like, hey, yeah, we can do it, blah, 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 pump your weights and blah, blah, blah. And now I realise how many women would have been like that. There's no way, you know, there's no way. I think it just depends on the woman, the pregnancy, and also what stage of the pregnancy they're at. Because you, like, you you have felt a lot better. So you're you're currently in your third trimester, aren't you? Just got into my third trimester, yeah. And you, and from what I can see from following you on Instagram, you have been back exercising. Yeah, exactly. So I, I am now exercising again. Um, but as I said, I'm massively adapting it all through this pregnancy. I've not, my last two pregnancies, I was running up until, you know, I was running like five K's up until two weeks before giving birth, all of that. Wow. I can't, I can't even run five K now. (laughs) (laughs) This time I'm, um, I'm probably exercising once, maybe twice a week, but it's massively reduced. There's no impact stuff. I'm not running. Um, I felt a lot more sort of pelvic girdle pain this time around so I've had to really really adapt my exercise which has been as as someone who specializes in pre and postnatal fitness you learn all this stuff and you know it and I've trained clients for years and um you know of course I'm I'm fully capable of adapting all the exercise but now having experienced it myself it's really given me an insight into how it feels physically to to perform certain exercises and how difficult it can be to do one of the simplest moves you know so which is great in a way like you know it's not great but it's it means that you have that extra level of insight so professionally when you are working with women going forward you 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 know it's really it's really hard isn't it because I guess the temptation is to always circle back to your own experience of something and with something like pregnancy and birth everybody's experience is different yeah 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 absolutely it's it's i mean all my pregnancies have been different this one certainly has just been a massive learning curve but i i value that and i'm just going to take what i've learned you know and, and move forwards with it i think it's been an amazing experience so you're currently at is it 28 weeks that's it yeah and with, 28 weeks. with twin pregnancies um it's not that kind of classic you know getting the, the, the goalposts are almost moved a little bit you're not necessarily expecting to get to 40 weeks so you know you, you've probably only got a few weeks left haven't you how are you how are you feeling about that ah! <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's crazy I mean we we were fortunate enough to be able to move house before the government changed the advice obviously it's currently we're in lockdown and um we moved the day before they came out and said 
that's it, no more moving. Wow. Yeah, so we just managed to move house. And it's been great. I think with when I was pregnant with Ezra, I did some hypnobirthing and I was just in a really bad space mentally. And I remember once having like a real cry in this uh, session with my husband and this hypnobirthing instructor and just saying, I just, I've got this real urge that I need to prepare and we're not doing it. We're not getting anything ready for the baby. And I, I'm really struggling with it. And she sort of talked through how that really is like a, there's actually um, a lot of science behind the psychology of needing to nest mm. and prepare. And because we've moved into this new house, it's been a m- massive project on, on so many levels, but it's been a great way to really prepare for the twins and prepare my other two children. You know, I'm like, here's your new room and da da da. And then, oh, look, just opposite you, this is where the babies will be. And, you know, it's been a really great way for us as a whole family um, to to come together at this time and there's so many of course it's a terrible situation and um living in the kind of uncertainty that we are at the moment is is really challenging for a lot of people but if i'm to look for the positives of of the current situation in the country us being all together during this particular time has been really valuable for us as a family so so i'm feeling good actually um still lots to do but it's it's been nice and I also think it's given I don't know if there'll be so many um people like this with their partners that whoever predominantly is staying at home more if they're if, if you're both working then you know it's going to be a different experience but whoever's predominantly at home it's given my husband a real insight into what it's like to have children around all the which is no bad thing (laughs) no exactly that's what i'm saying it's been amazing because he now has a completely new insight into what it takes you know and and it's something that you can't explain it it sounds so silly he'll come home and i'll say well after ezra woke up i put a wash on got rear from school hung the washing up cooked the dinner cleaned the clothes washed the dishes you know and i'm naming all this stuff and it's like well so what did you do like you basically did that you potted a few things and then you put the boys to bed and that was it but when you're living it you yeah. realize how how much it takes to really well manage a house and especially if you're balancing that with a career but, but have have happy children make sure they've got everything you know. and now he understands so it's been great because in preparing for the twins when i'm saying okay i think we really need this because it's going to make this easier he's on board he's like okay yeah i get that i, he gets I understand it. why we yeah. need that yeah. yeah so it's been it's been great and obviously we don't know how long the current situation is going to last and you know how long certain restrictions are in place um how are you feeling about potentially giving birth in a situation where um you know there's restrictions on having partners there and mm-hmm. the kind of you know the kind of the kind of support that you can have around you. Do you know what? It's a really interesting question, um, and I'm so glad you're asking it to me now and not two days ago because I was fine and I've been going to all these uh, antenatal po- appointments on my own. My husband was able to be at the twelve week scan, but since then he hasn't been there. And I'm not a fan of needles, and I've been having blood tests and injections, and I've been totally fine. And then very recently, um, I had a scan and they discovered that there's a slight increase of fluid around one of the babies. Everything seems fine. So we're we're OK. Um, but it it does change sort of uh, delivery options and labor options. And 
I'm now in the process of having conversations where it's like, if you need to come in to be induced, then um, your husband has to wait outside until the induction process is fully started. And then da-da. Which can take or, a long time, can't it? It can take hours. It can take a long time. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, oh, well, you know, or if this happens at home and you need to come, all these different things. I mean, and everything's so different. And about two days ago, again, in the, at night, we put the boys to bed and I suddenly just started crying and I was like, I'm really, really, really struggling with the idea of him not, my husband not being able to be there. Like, I don't want to be in a situation, I just said to you about the woman who I sat opposite, who was in labour, and her partner wasn't with her. And she was, they they left her for however many hours before they were ready to check her again. And before I left, they wheeled her off to labour ward and said, okay, right now your partner can come and da da da. But she went through a lot on her own. Um... And I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Like that, that to me is my breaking point. I, it, of course, you're going to cope with what you're going to cope with. And that's a lesson I've learned whilst growing up is that you're going to cope. You are going to cope with whatever comes your way. You're going to cope. But that is something that I really struggle with. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I've been on a massive mental health journey over the last two years. And as challenging as that was, I think it's one of my biggest blessings because I've learned how I've learned resilience and I remember a therapist saying to me when I very first started working with her do you think you've had an opportunity to build resilience and I went off and I thought about that for so long and I thought I don't think I have I've had thankfully I'm so grateful to have so many blessings and I think I gosh I haven't built that resilience to be able to cope and then through my mental health struggle and through that recovery process I was able to build this resilience about how to cope with things when you feel overwhelmed and so I know I will be able to cope with it but it's it's definitely not um it's not something I'm excited about but I know that I'll be able to cope with it well I mean you know one I guess potential silver lining is that things are changing all the time and we don't Mm. know whether you know, the health trusts will be allowed to ease restrictions, you know, in five, six weeks time. And actually things will be much easier than you're than you're preparing yourself for. Mm, yeah, exactly. And I, uh, you know, as I said, people have said to just change your expectations. I don't have any expectations. I don't I don't have a fixed birth plan. I don't have an ex- any expectations. I'm going to go with whatever happens. The most important thing is that these children get out healthy mm. and 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 very close second is what's important to me is that I have a calm experience. It sounds selfish, no, but not I don't think labor labor is it, of course the priority is that you want the children to be born healthy. But I also think it should be a priority, not the priority, but a priority that the mum can have a positive. Birth oh my experience. goodness, I'm so with you on that. I think that you know it's almost unhelpful for people to say. Well, as long as as long as the the babies are healthy, and it's like, well, actually, yeah. how about as long as the babies are healthy and the mum is healthy too, mentally, yeah, exactly. physically, yeah. exactly. So, um, so yeah, I think that, and I'm, I'm gonna have to. I mean, having been at the hospital for the multiple checkups that I've been on now during this pregnancy, the midwives are fantastic. They really are. I mean, the NHS and the medical team have just been incredible, but at the same time. They've seen this a million times. And uh, the amount of women that I've seen that are in labour, when no one's going in to check them because they're like, she's two centimetres dilated, she's got another three hours to go. Like, there is a certain point where actually, in particular if it's your second or third, I think if it's your first, there might be a little bit more hand-holding. Yeah. 
but you know if it's your it, for me I know that they're may well be a period of time where they're like okay we're going to sit you on this thing or give you a pessary or whatever and then we're going to leave you for an hour and I need to make sure that I can mentally prepare myself for that yeah. so um, and, if, and if nothing else fingers crossed you have somebody sat opposite you who's coming for an antenatal appointment who can chuck <laughs> chuck random <laughs> advice at you because that yeah. that'll be really helpful <laughs> someone tells me just to relax into it oh my gosh I can't believe I did it I can't believe I did it I can't believe I did it listen Shakira we are all going to be with you in spirit and oh, you know you. um remind us where we can follow you online so that everyone can follow your journey the, the last few weeks of your pregnancy and you know what what happens next so i'm on instagram at at shakira.akabusi um and you can also find me at www.stronglikemum.com lovely thank you so much for joining me again and wishing you all the best thank you for having me Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.